Welcome to the Brave Church Podcast. We are honored you've chosen to listen and pray you're blessed by this talk. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit bravechurch.org. As Danny mentioned, my name is Randy, and I have the privilege of being a pastor at Saddleback Church down in Orange County. Um, And so what I figured before we get going this morning, I know you guys are still kind of on that turkey hangover, so we're going to have some fun before we dive into the message. But first, I figured I would share a little bit about who I am so you guys can get to know me a little bit. That way you feel like we're, you know, we're friends. We're best friends after this is done. Um, So start off, I guess I would say that uh, first off, I'm a husband. And I have a wife, and we've been married for 11 years, and she's amazing to put up with my craziness. Um, yeah, you can clap for her. Trust me, you can. Uh, I've also got uh, three children. I've got boy-girl twins that are eight years old, um, and then I've got a little two-and-a-half-year-old firecracker. Um, that's the best way I can describe her. Um, she's amazing, though. She's a lot of fun. She's definitely the third child. And uh, she has us wrapped around her finger, and she also runs the entire house. Um, So three beautiful kids. I I absolutely love them. And as I mentioned, also, I'm a pastor. And I love being a pastor because I just love people. I love getting to walk through life with people um, in good times and in bad times. And as a pastor, I have had the privilege of um, walking alongside people in their best of times and in their worst of times. And so just this past week alone, I did a wedding, and then three days, three days later, I did a funeral. And so uh, it's a very unique job, and it's a very unique calling because um, there's no consistency to what I do. But it's amazing because I get to walk alongside people, and I get to see people embrace who they are in Christ, um, and I get to walk alongside them in the journey. And, and as a pastor, I get to spend more time than the average person uh, with people in their final days. And so... What's very interesting to me is that people in their final days, they have this extreme clarity over what's really important. They have this extreme clarity over what matters most. And, and I always try to take something away from those moments because I feel that there's a lot to be learned from people that have kind of figured it all out, right? What's also interesting to me is that people in their last days, they tend to discuss their regrets and how they used their time carelessly because frankly, they thought that they'd live forever. And so... This morning, as we dive into together, um, this idea that our days are limited, it's scattered throughout Scripture. And so I want to look at a quick verse uh, before we dive into it. And it's Psalm 39. It says, Lord, remember, uh, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, it's but a breath. Now, in the New Testament, in the book of James, he refers to our life as a vapor or a mist. And it's just this idea that our life is extremely short and compared to eternity. And now, this morning, it's not meant to depress you or to kind of create a melancholy theme with our morning. But the truth is, is as we look at life through this lens, uh, it helps us to begin to be serious about the time that we have on our life and the priorities that we engage in and how we live this life of faith. And so um, what I would love to do is to start off our morning with a little crowd participation. So on your chair or on the way in, you were handed this tape measure. And I want you to grab that out right now. Everyone grab that out, even if you don't want to, just uh, humor me. Um, 
And what we're going to need to do is we're going to need to go to the millimeter side. Trust me on this one, okay? (laughs) Millimeter side. And so grab that out, and it starts at zero. And what I want you to do is I want you to to kind of go down and find your age. So for me, um, 36 is how old I am. And I'm going to go ahead and take that and find your age. Once you found your age, I want you to tear it off. Now, now you know why we didn't do inches, right? I want to do full crowd participation this morning. So find your age and tear that off, okay? I want everyone to hold up the zero to your age. Hold it high in the air. Wave it around like you just don't care. Um, this here, this is your past, okay? So this is everything that has happened up until this point in your life. And the beauty about Christianity and the beauty about faith and grace is that according to God, our past is truly our past. Now, the problem is, is that some of you haven't fully embraced this notion and that you haven't experienced God's grace to its fullest. And so um, what I like to say is that our past isn't our past if it's still impacting our present. And so the sooner that you recognize God's grace and his forgiveness in your life, the sooner you can start experiencing a life to its fullest. And so what I want us to do is I want us to take our past. I want to take it, put it behind your head, and drop it behind you, okay? Now I know it's going to make a mess, and here's the deal. Do not look at your neighbor's past, okay? It's their past. Leave it where it's at, all right? It's their past. We're making a little bit of mess. Don't worry. You OCD people, we can leave it on the ground for now, okay? I'll pick it up afterwards. I know some of you are freaking out because I was earlier. Um, all right, so what we're going to do is we're going to take the rest of this now, and I want you to take a look at your age, and I want you to scroll down to where uh, you think you're going to die. Now, here's the deal with this. Here's the deal. We're not projecting anything. We're not predicting anything, okay? It's an example, so just humor me. So um, pick the age that you think you're going to die. Um, for me, I, um, I'm a realist, and so I'm going to go with 86. So I'm going to go ahead and tear that off at 86, okay? Uh, whatever that is for you. Maybe some of you think you're going to live to be 400, right? I don't know. That's why we went all the way up to 920, uh, just to cover all of our bases. What I want you to do is from the day that you think you die... Uh, to the end of this tape, I want you to hold that in the air. should be pretty long, um, unless you think you're going to be in the Bible one day and live to 400. Um, this right here, this is your eternity. This is what life is going to be like after you pass from this life into the next. And if you believe in Jesus, heaven is something that is going to be far greater than anything you could hope or imagine for. Uh, scripture doesn't talk a whole lot about what heaven is going to be exactly like, but I believe it is going to be amazing. I believe that it's going to be much like our time here on earth. Because scripture says that there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. But it's going to be perfect. No more sickness and no more pain. And I can't wait for the day that I get to go and I get to meet people that have gone before me. My family that has passed on. My friends that have gone on. And to be rejoined with them and celebrate God forever. So this is your eternity. I want you to take this and I want you to lay it down at your feet right in front of you. Okay? And what you have left, hold that in the air. Mine looks just like that. This here, this is your life. This is your life. This is the dreams that you have, your hopes, the things that you want to accomplish. It's all right here in this little piece. And so as we take a look at our life, um, this morning we're going to be talking a little bit how do we add Life to our years, not how do we add years to our life. So the goal isn't for us to extend the tape measure, but to embrace our life, 
our years that we have left, and we add life to that. So feel free to take that, and you can fold it up and put it in your pocket um, as a little, literally a little reminder of um, your life here. And so our goal today, how do we live a life that is honoring to God? How do we live a life of brave faith and beyond? And that's what we're going to be spending a little bit time, a little bit of time together this morning. And if you'd like to follow along inside your program, there's some message notes. You can grab those out. If you brought a Bible, feel free to open up to Matthew chapter six. And in Matthew chapter six, Jesus is talking to a group of people and he is telling them that those of you who believe in God, you should live a life differently than those that don't believe. There should be this notable difference in the way that you live compared to those that have no faith. And then he challenges them, and he says this in Matthew 6. He says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And so Jesus is saying two things here. He's saying, one, don't worry about your future because I have it in control. Each day has been laid out before you, and I know what's going to happen. So don't worry about tomorrow. And then he says this. He says, seek first God. And what I translate that to mean is seek first the things that truly matter in this life. And if what matters to you at the end of your life isn't what matters to you right now, your priorities are out of alignment. And so if you're following along, the first fill-in is this. Living a life of brave faith starts by seeking God. It starts by seeking God. And if you start by exploring who it is that God has made you to be, if you start by realizing that life is short, it is but a breath, God wants us to place a priority in the things that he prioritizes. Are these things that are building up his kingdom or are they building up your personal kingdom? In this crazy world, I want so desperately to trust God with my everything. But it's hard for me. I'm going to be honest. There are so many times that I try on my own will to do things my way. I don't know about you guys, but whenever I do that, it doesn't usually end up well. And my wife constantly reminds me of that. But I want to be a work in progress. And I want to each day just be a little bit closer to Jesus than I was the day before. Now, I read a statistic online, and so we all know that everything on the internet is true, right? So I read this statistic online, and well, it was backed by research, so I mean, it has to be true. Uh, But the statistic says that the single most expressed emotion in life, the single most expressed emotion in life is love. It's love. It's expressions of love. It's acts of love. But what's interesting is the second most commonly expressed emotion is regret. It's things like, I wish I had taken that job. Or, I wish I had asked her out. Or, I wish I had never asked her out. (laughs) Things like, I wish I had saved more money. Or, I wish I hadn't eaten that. Anyone can give me an amen from Thanksgiving? Yeah? I was full until this morning. But it's It's regret. And regret and disappointment are two completely different things. Uh, Regret has a unique sting because regret says that it could have been different if I did this or I did that. So it's different. It's unique. 
The Bible has story after story of regret. You have regret. I have regret. We all have regret in our lives. And to me, as I look back on my life and I look at all those moments of regret, to me, it comes down to three simple words. Lack of faith. Lack of faith. And so I'm finding more and more that my faith, as I trust in Jesus, it's not this one-time decision to follow after Christ. It's a daily choice that I have to make. Now, a lot of us have this perception of faith as believing in a God that I've never seen and his son, Jesus, who I never met, who forgave me of my sins that I'm all too familiar with. And so we, as we dive into a brave faith this morning, as we look at how do we live a life of brave faith, I want us to spend a few minutes taking a look at a character from the Bible who I believe, um, if we're able to take away some of his cues and the way he lived his life, it can radically shift our perspective on faith. And so we're going to be taking a look at, about, uh, at a man named Joshua. Now, Joshua was born an Israelite. He was born in captivity to the nation of Egypt. At that time, all Israelites were slaves to Egypt. Um, he was also there when Moses led them out of captivity. He was there when God parted the Red Sea. He was there when God brought manna down from heaven. He was there when Israel was lost and God provided a pillar of fire at night to direct them. He was there through all of those miracles, seeing God work in huge ways. Now, Joshua was also quite the leader. He ends up working his way up to become Moses' right-hand man, his number two guy. And um, as we continue on this story, we see that they have been set free, but not just set free. They've been set free to experience this place that God had prepared for them called the promised land. Now they get to the promised land and Moses sends in 12 spies and they go and kind of assess the area and they see that the promised land is far greater than they could ever have imagined. And they're really excited about it. But then there's a problem. There's giants in the land. And so they see these giants and they come back and they report to Moses, Moses, this place is amazing, but we can't go in. Because there's these giants, and they're occupying this land. Now Joshua and a guy named Caleb, they kind of speak up, and they're like, hey, hey Moses, you know, there's, there's these giants in the land, but guess what? God has promised it to us, so he is going to provide a way for us to inhabit this land. Don't you remember all the miracles that just happened? I mean, God parted the Red Sea, right? He can help us get into this land. But unfortunately, Joshua and Caleb were outnumbered. And they were outvoted. And so instead of fighting to inhabit this land that God had promised them, they get afraid and they run and they hide. Now, this is important. It's not just a story for us to read. um, Because the truth is that every one of us has a hiding place. Each and every one of us has a place that we hide. And, And I said it this way in your outline. Our natural reaction to brave faith moments are typically to run and hide. Our natural reaction to brave faith moments are typically for us to run and hide. Whenever you're given a faith-filled moment, we tend to try to rely on our own instincts and behavior because it's not natural for us to trust in something other than ourselves. And so what I want to do this morning is take a look at four hurdles that we often have to overcome in order to experience brave faith. And so the first one is for some of you, You hide in your insecurities. 
You hide in your insecurities and you say things like, I don't have the resources or I'm too old to do this or I'm too young to do this or I don't have the skill set. Now, Moses was a great biblical example of this. When God came to Moses and said, Moses, I want you to free the Israelites from captivity. He said, God, how can you use me? I can't even speak. I have this stutter. How can I lead a nation? Now, a good reminder of this is that God will never bring us to something that he's not willing to see us through. God will never bring us to an issue or a problem or an opportunity that he's not willing, us to, not willing to walk us through the entire way. God will equip us for his work if we have faith. Now, for some of you, it's worst case scenarios. You always lean into the worst case scenario and you constantly spin those off in your mind. As soon as you have an opportunity for faith, your mind goes to the extreme, right? Um, every time God calls us into those moments, you say things like, well, this could happen to my family or this could happen in my job or God, what about my finances? I could lose everything. You go to the extreme. And this was the case for the Israelites. This was their issue. They went to the worst case scenario when they entered into the promised land. And they said, God, there are giants in this land. There's no way at all we could ever take them. For some of you, it's procrastination. You hide behind the idea of someday. Someday I'll get to that. Someday I'll be ready to have kids. Someday I will be willing to step out and trust God with my finances. Now, for me, this is, this is where I tend to fall. I fall under the procrastination. Ever since I was a little kid, I would wait till the last minute to do everything. And the problem with the someday mentality, the problem with procrastination, is that by procrastinating, we often miss the opportunities God has placed before us in the moment. And there's no guarantee that we'll get that back. And for some of you, it's blame. You blame your parents for not equipping you. You blame your spouse or your situation or your boss. You blame the reason that you can't step into this brave faith moment on everything other than yourself. Now, the truth is that everyone, everyone has a hiding place. It's important for you to figure out what that is for you. Because only then can you identify it and start working in and on your faith instead of running from it. You see, every opportunity has an express expiration date. And I said it like this in your outline. The cost of missing out can be greater than the cost of messing up. The cost of missing out on a faith moment can be far greater than the cost of messing up. We just have to be willing to get over our pride. In Hebrews 11, it says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so when we don't step into these brave faith moments, we are very well missing out on opportunities that God has for our lives. Now, this was the case for Moses. I mean, think about it. He saw all of these miracles. And he came to this place where God said, this is the land I have prepared for you. It's amazing. And what happened? He didn't embrace his brave faith. He listened to those people that were afraid. And they retreated. And they went into hiding. And what happens is Moses dies. So he doesn't ever get to enter into the promised land on earth. And the Israelites, they spent the next 40 years wandering in the desert. So Moses dies and Joshua takes over. 
And Joshua is set on not making the same mistakes that they made in the past. And so in Joshua 3, it starts, it says, The Lord told Joshua, Today I will begin to make you a great leader in the eyes of all of the Israelites. They will know that I am with you just as I was with Moses. Give this command to the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the banks of the Jordan River, which, which by the way, the Jordan River was completely flooded. It was uncrossable. But he says, when you reach the banks of the Jordan River, take a few steps into the river and stop there. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds like a terrible idea to me. Like, hey, let's just go ahead and jump into this river that is like a rushing current and can take us down. Like, hey, God, why don't we just wait for a few moments until this thing settles down? Like, we'll just camp out over here on the safe side. And when the water has receded and we can walk across, let's just go then, God. Like, why are we in a hurry? Uh, maybe that's the procrastinator in me stepping out. But, but Joshua, Joshua listens and he continues on to say, um, he continues on to say that I will, I will follow you, God. I will obey what you have called me to do. And they cross the river. A couple of chapters later in Joshua chapter six, uh, God gives him more specific instructions. He says, you and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Now, these men in the town are the same men that 40 years ago, they were too afraid to combat with. They were the same men, the same giants. And he says, you should march around for six days. And, on the se- and then it says, seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times with the priests blowing their horns. All right, God, so let me get this straight. The battle plan is for me and my buddies to circle this town. We're going to power walk this city, right? And then the marching band is going to follow and then on the seventh time, they're going to blow their trumpets and all is good. We're done. But once again, Joshua trusts God. And he follows the instructions and Israel sees this massive movement of God. And what we see here is we see a pattern. And I put it in your outline this way. Big moves of God are almost always preceded by obedience to him and the small things. Big moves of God are almost always preceded by him in the small things. Now, this is a big deal, especially to those who aren't paying attention to the fact that life is precious. Because the truth is, at the end of life, you're going to look back, and the small things, the small things are most likely the big things. And this pattern continues for Joshua, and he continues to trust God which takes us to Joshua chapter 10. And in Joshua 10, there are a group of people called the Amorites. And the Amorites, they're closing in on Israel. And actually, there's actually five different groups of the Amorites closing in on Israel, and it doesn't look good for them. So God gives Joshua this promise. In Joshua 10, 8, he says, Do not be afraid of them, for I have given you victory over them. Not a single one of them will be able to stand up against you. So God gives them this promise, don't worry. And then he gives them this plan. Now, they had no way of defeating the Amorites on their own. They were way outnumbered. But Israel does a surprise attack at night. And God causes the Amorites to be confused, and they start to retreat. And so Israel chases them throughout the night and into the next day. And it starts to become dark again. And Joshua knows that if it falls dark again, the Amorites, they'll escape and they'll be able to regroup 
and then they will be toast. So Joshua prays this prayer in a desperate moment. And he says, uh, in Joshua 10, it says this, On the day that the Lord gave the Israelites victory over the Amorites, Joshua prayed to the Lord in front of all the people of Israel. He said, Let the sun stand still over Gibeon and the moon over the valley of Ajalon. Now he prayed this prayer. God, if you want this thing to work out, you need that big ball of fire to stop right where it's at. And what's crazy is he did this in front of the entire nation. He prayed this prayer in front of everyone. Now for me, if I'm leading this team, I would have probably been like, hey God, um, hey guys, you know what? We need to pray. I'm going to go ahead and go in my tent. I'm going to pray me and God. We're going to have some one-on-one time. And then I'm going to come out and hopefully, hopefully I've got some sort of plan. But he trusted God. And he continued to trust God. And so he prayed this prayer because he believed that God would provide for them. He believed that God hadn't taken them this far to stop now. And so the scripture continues to say, The sun stood still and the moon stayed in place until the nation of Israel had defeated its enemies. And it brings me to this point that that's the type of faith that I want to have. I want to have that sun stand still faith that I believe that God would be willing to stop the sun right where it's at for my faith. I want to believe in the God that does miracles, that part of the Red Sea, that brought pillars of fire at night. I want to have the faith that believes that God can resurrect the dead. I want to believe that the God that I serve is the God that is found in the Bible. So my question to you this morning, in what area are you trusting God to have a son stand still faith? In what area of your life do you need to trust God to have brave faith in this moment? I don't know what that is for you. Maybe, maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe you've let your marriage go down the wrong road for far too long and you don't see a way for it to come back. But I promise you, God can bring it back. Maybe it's, God, I need to experience freedom from this addiction. Maybe it's, you need to come to peace with your health. Maybe it's, God, I need to manage my finances the way that you have called me to because right now I'm out of control. I don't know what that area of trust is for you. I don't know what that area of brave faith for you is. But what I do know is with what's impossible with me isn't remotely difficult with God. It's not. And so I hope that you will walk away this morning trusting in God a little bit more and saying, God, I want to have a brave faith. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, we come before you this morning. And we ask that you give us the faith of Joshua. God, that we can trust you in the small things as well as the large things. Because God, we know that ultimately your plan and your purpose for our lives is the best one. And so Father, this morning, I ask that you encourage us and you inspire us to live a life of brave faith where we can deny ourselves and our selfish desires and follow after you. And God, I recognize that in a room this size, there may be people here that haven't chosen to believe in you yet. And I pray that this morning, that as they have heard this message, God, that they will be inspired 
to follow after you. Scripture says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. And that you will have access to a perfect place in eternity called heaven. And so, Father, if there's anyone in this room that has been questioning who you are, I pray that right now that they're willing to accept you in their life. And so if that's you this morning, I want you to pray this prayer. God, I'm broken. And I don't have this thing figured out. But that's where my brave faith is going to step in this morning. God, I want to trust you with my life now and forever. I thank you for your love and for your grace and for the fact that you have forgiven me of all of my sins. Come into my life. Make me a new person in you. We pray these things in your son's precious and holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen.